morning, everyone. Good morning. Welcome to our service of worship. It is so good to be with you all today on this beautiful, sunny August Sunday. Uh, a couple of brief announcements. I've mentioned these the past couple of weeks, but wanted to make sure I keep them fresh in your memory. Today, following the service, over in our fellowship time in the plum room, I will be hosting a little uh, informal discussion around one of the points of our resident survey. So all of you who already come for Food and Fellowship, you can definitely share any thoughts you have, but anyone else who doesn't normally come, please join us there if you'd like to. Uh, We'll be discussing specifically the topic of supporting resident independence, okay? So if you have thoughts on that, if you want to just be a part of the conversation, we've put notices out so that other residents who wouldn't attend our service would also know they could come too. Uh, but that's going to happen following this service at 10.30 in the Plum Room. Also, upcoming in September, which is only a couple weeks away, actually about a week away, uh, we have a couple of groups beginning. So on Monday, September 11th, I'm going to be leading a small gathering in the chapel over by my office called the Monday Meditation. Okay, it's going to be very brief, 15 minutes or 20 minutes tops. Uh, And that group, whoever comes, it's both open to staff and residents. It's just a time to kind of set the stage for the week, kind of get into it with a word or maybe a poem or something like that that kind of helps us focus and pay attention and be mindful. So again, that's called my Monday meditation that will begin on Sunday or Monday, September 11th. Also, on that same day, on Monday, September 11th, I'll begin a support group called the Life Support Group. Now, if you're experiencing uh, something in your life that you feel like could use some additional support, uh, it could be that you're working through a season of grief. It could be that you're working through a challenge of being a caregiver for a spouse. It could be you're working through some other major challenge or shift. Uh, I invite you to sign up for this group. There's a sign up at the concierge desk in the front uh, and we're limiting the space to eight and that way the number of people who are there will have an opportunity to talk about whatever it is that they're going through. Uh, But if we run out of space this time, we'll definitely run it again in the near future. All right, but I want to make sure that that's in front of you if you're interested or feel like that would help you. We're going to begin our service today with our first hymn, Holy, Holy, Holy. Thank you. 
We gather together in the name of our God, the Maker of heaven and earth. We are all away from the passions and attitudes of the world and invites us into a transforming relationship with Him and with one another. Loving God, call us together as your people. Transform our spirits that we may be the body of Christ, gathered to worship and sent out to serve through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. And now for our first reading of Scripture. Again this morning, the reading is from Isaiah. And recalling what we talked about Isaiah is that there's kind of divided into three parts. Isaiah as we think about him, probably wrote the first 29 chapters of Isaiah. The second portion is written by a man referred to often as the second Isaiah, or the Isaiah of Babylon. That would be during the Babylon captivity. And the third part being written uh, by probably a number of authors. There's an interesting statement in in this reading. It talks about... uh, the light to the people. And I happen to read a little bit about that concept. It's used often in scripture reading. And we stop to think about it. It's talking about learning. You and I learn because we read or hear the word. Okay? We remember that many of these people were uh, uneducated. They couldn't read and so on. So the reference to light is rather interesting. You have the light. Think about it, light and dark. When it's dark, you can't do anything. When it's light, you can see what's right and what's wrong. So in the the biblical readings, you will often see the light of the candle or the light of the world. And we're talking about people learning in the light. And so we'll read Isaiah 51, 1 through 6. Blessings in store for God's people. Listen to me, you that pursue righteousness, you that seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were hewn, and to the quarry from which you were dug. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah who bore you. For he was but one when I called him, but I blessed him and made him many. For the Lord will comfort Zion, he will comfort all her waste places. And will make her wilderness like Eden, her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her. Thanksgiving and voice of song. Listen to me, my people, and give heed to me, my nation. For a teaching will go out from me, and my justice for a light to the people. I will bring near myself... Deliverance swiftly, my salvation has gone out, and my arms will rule the peoples. And coastlands will wait for me, and for my arms they hope. Lift up your eyes to the heavens, and look at the earth beneath. For the heavens will vanish like smoke. The earth will wear out like a garment, and those who live on it will die like gnats. 
but my salvation will be forever, and my deliverance will never be ended. The word of our Lord. Our lectionary psalm for today comes from Psalm 138. We'll be reading it responsibly. I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods I sing your praise. I bow down towards your holy temple, and we have thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted your name and your word above everything. All the kings of the earth shall praise you, O Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth. For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he perceives from far away. You stretch out your hand, and your right hand delivers me. And now for our next hymn, All Hail the Power of Jesus' Name. Romans, verse 12, 1 through 8. 
I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and not all the members have the same function, so we who are many are the are hope, are one body in Christ, and individually we are members one of another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry in ministering the teacher, in teaching, the exhorter in exhortation, the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence, the compassionate in cheerfulness. The word of our Lord. The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 16th chapter. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he sternly ordered the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. The Gospel of our Lord. One of my favorite science authors is a man by the name of Sam Keen, and I don't just like him because of his first name. He's a gifted writer, and all of his books have been super fun and engaging for me to read. His first book was titled The Disappearing Spoon, and he wrote about the history and science of chemistry. Each chapter focused attention on different elements from the periodic table. He wrote another book called The Violinist's Thumb, which addressed biology and genetics. He wrote another book called Caesar's Last Breath, which is all about gases and the molecules that make up the air we breathe 
mixed in with a whole lot of history. So if you're interested in an author who can teach you some things about science mixed with history, mixed with a tinge of humor, I highly recommend his books. He also wrote a book titled Dueling Neurosurgeons, which tells the story of some of the earliest pioneers in the study of the human brain. Mind you, there are some rather disturbing parts to this book. Much of the early years of this science were quite messy. However, the discoveries made in the science that continues today trying to understand the human brain is fascinating. The human brain has 86 billion neurons. 86 billion. That's with a B. And it has the same number of other types of cells also in the brain. Different kinds of cells that the neurons need to have around them. So the neurons specifically, those are the ones that store information, control behavior and movement. The other cells, the non-neurons, they're there to help maintain the functions of the brain, to make the neurons possible to do what they need to do. So modern neuroscience may be making discoveries and advances in understanding the human brain, but there's still so much we don't know about our own noggins, about the very thing that sits atop our body. I find it personally fascinating that we walk around every day and sleep every night with a massive organic computer inside our head. Non-organic computers, things like our smartphones and laptops, they owe their existence to an organic computer that's inside your body. One of the bigger questions that cultures and religions have wrestled with throughout history has been, what is the mind and where is it located in the body? Some ancient cultures believed the mind was located in the chest or in the heart. Others said elsewhere in the body, maybe closer to where we see our liver. Modern science would be quick to say the brain. But regardless of where the mind is located in the body, one thing is clear, we have one. <laughs> we have a mind. And it's an important part of what makes us human. In our New Testament lectionary text from Romans chapter 12, in verse 2, Paul said these words, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. This single verse from the portion we read is loaded with a number of big concepts and important ideas. So what I want to do today is take them piece by piece, working backwards from Paul's conclusion forwards to his beginning statement, just in verse 2. So first, your Bible study tip of the week. Notice that Paul uses the phrase, so that. So that. This is probably one of the most important phrases that you can notice, particularly when reading Paul's letters in the New Testament. Paul had what seems to be a very linear mind or way of communication. He would say things like, do A, B, and C, so that X, Y, and Z will happen. It's called a purpose clause. If you hear the first portion of what's said, then what's followed is the purpose of the beginning. The author's revealing the why, the reason about what they're talking about. 
So Paul's letter to the church in Rome has been one of the most deeply studied and most commented on books in the history of all biblical literature. It sometimes reads like a major theological textbook. Paul makes some big and bold statements. He explains some very nuanced theological beliefs for himself as well as the church. And in this verse, Paul said, so that you may discern what the will of God is. So that you may discern what the will of God is. Now pause with me for a moment and take note of how big a purpose statement that is. So that you may discern what the will of God is. Wow! What is the will of God? That's no small question. Sometimes we talk about God's will for our lives in the micro sense, like what is God's will for me in this decision that I'm trying to make, right? And other times we talk about God's will for our lives in the macro sense, like what is God's will for humanity and human history and all that big stuff. But what is Paul getting at? What's he addressing here? It appears Paul's talking about the everyday stuff of life on our spiritual journey. What is, what is a good spiritual rhythm to help me draw close to God? What are acceptable ways for me to talk and act? What does a devout Christian life look like? Those kinds of questions, the discernment questions. That's the aim of Paul's statement. Discerning God's will means knowing what God is inviting us to be and to do. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay, I'm pausing to make sure you're still tracking with me. We've got some pretty heady stuff going on here. I don't want to lose anybody along the way. All right, I want you to be mindful as we talk about the mind. So we know now Paul's purpose in what he has said is to help us discern God's will. Paul wants us to be able to know what it is God is inviting us to, what it is God is saying to us, how God is leading us. So we've established that. Now we continue to move backwards through the verse, beyond the so that. Paul said, Be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Once again, we can take a step back and go, Wow! That's a wonderfully poetic and no less complicated phrase. How does someone renew their mind? What does Paul even mean by the mind? And how does that mind reveal or be transformed? How do we transform a mind? Well, pause and take a deep breath with me, friends. Come on, you're not doing it. <laughs> I shouldn't be the only one breathing here. We're moving into some very challenging and meaty territory. For Paul, the mind is not a separate compartment from the soul or the heart. Paul is a Pharisee. Okay? That is one of the most highly educated Jewish leaders, thinkers, and theologians of his era. The Jews of Paul's day thought of you and your soul as like one complete whole. More like the soul was a word for the sum total of all the parts that make you human. So your thoughts, your feelings, your bodily sensations, your experiences, your memories, they're all wrapped up together in the word soul. To renew the mind 
is not just to think differently. It's not just to choose a different idea and say we believe a certain thing. To renew the mind means to be completely different in almost every way. To change and transform the whole of us. So Paul's leading the Roman church and us 2,000 years later to see that in order to know God's will, we have to have a renewed, refocused, attentive mind. How do we do that? Well, for thousands of years now, the church has had people who've leaned into this and asked that question and pursued different types of practices that do help us to renew our mind. Spiritual rhythms, things like prayer, meditation, scripture study, fasting, and many, many more, they help us to hone our attention on the voice and presence of God because you cannot know God's will if you don't know God in the relational sense. If you don't know God as a friend, as a partner, as a person, as a being, a living being, then you cannot know God's will. Does that make sense? Alright, that was my second check-in to make sure I haven't put anyone to sleep. So outside of attending this wonderful Sunday morning chapel service, what are other rhythms that you engage in to draw close to the being of God? That you do in your daily life, in your weekly life, to draw you close to God? For me, two in particular really stand out. These are disciplines that I resonate with and that I have encountered God in in very powerful ways. Silence and solitude. Silence and solitude have been things that I've entered into to help me draw closer to God. Whenever I begin, I encounter distractions. I feel the pushes and pulls from various things in life, but after a few minutes, those things sort of start to settle and I begin to rest and relax and just pay attention. Now, I will just say up front that silence and solitude aren't for everyone. They may not be rhythms that resonate with your spiritual journey and that is totally fine. But I just wanted to share with you autobiographically what it looks like for me. And for me, this practice is kind of like scooping up a jar of river water. A lot of rivers in the world carry sediment and silt and other things, and while the water's moving, the sediment gets all churned up. You can't see through the water. And side note, there's actually a scientific term for that. Turbidity. Say it with me. Turbidity. See, I, do, I bet you didn't know you were going to learn science while getting a sermon today. I love that word. It sounds fun to say, turbidity. When you scoop up a jar of turbid water, all filled with sediment and silt and dust because it's been moving, and you let that jar just sit on a table for a little while. You come back maybe a couple hours later, all of a sudden the water is much clearer because the sediment and the silt and the dust and the debris has settled to the bottom of the jar. But it would not have happened if the water hadn't been still, quiet, waiting. As long as there's still that movement, that rush, that activity, that busyness, you can't listen, you can't hear, we can't see clearly. So when that current comes to a quiet, silent, still place, all of a sudden, there's more clarity. Now this is just 
One example. As I said already, these are rhythms that I resonate with, but maybe for you it's something different altogether. The question is, what are your rhythms? What are those things that you do that draw you close to God? Do you read and study and meditate on Scripture? Do you paint or write poems? Do you walk through a garden and listen to special music? Whatever they are, find your rhythms. And in your rhythms, those ways in which God has already wired you as an individual, you will find God's presence. And when we find God's presence, our minds are renewed. Allow our mind to be renewed and attentive to God, and we will be able to discern God's will. You see how all this flows together? Paul began the verse with the phrase, Do not be conformed to this world. What does Paul mean by world and conformed? Paul uses the word world a few different times in his letters, and I won't sugarcoat it for you. Scholars and theologians do not have a uniform definition of what Paul means. (laughs) They debate this. They try to figure out, I don't quite understand what Paul means entirely by world. As for me, I believe that anything that's not aligned with God's character likely falls into the category of world. Things like violence and hatred and injustice, bitterness, cynicism, abusive language, you name it. There's a lot of things that don't align with God's character, and likely those are the things Paul doesn't want you to conform your mind to. So Paul teaches the Romans and you and me that we can allow our minds to be shaped by all of that stuff, or we can take a different path. We can allow our minds to be shaped to the patterns and the character and the nature of God. In order to be conformed to the character and shape of God, we need to listen and pay attention to God's voice. God loves each and every one of us. God has things to say to each and every one of us. God doesn't just talk to people like me who get to wear funny collars. Right? God talks to everyone. God wants to talk to everyone. God is speaking to everyone, but what's often missing is paying attention. Just simple paying attention. So, in conclusion, choose the path that conforms to God's character. Choose the path that's defined by love, so that, as Paul would say, you can know what it is that God is inviting you to be and to do. God will lead you into those three words at the end of the verse. Goodness, acceptable things, perfect things. God will lead you into those things. Our minds are beautiful and powerful gifts. We have the power to steward them. They're our responsibility. So God wants to invite you and me to let them be shaped by Him. Amen? Amen. Amen. As we continue our service, we're going to sing our next hymn, Jesus, the Very Thought of Man.
faith the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now we will receive our offering. As we come to our time of prayer, I like to remind us each week that when we gather, we don't always gather filled with joy and excitement and good things. Sometimes we come carrying heavy burdens. It could be that we ourselves are going through a very trying and challenging time. It could also be that some of us are here this morning in worship and we're weighed down by the needs or concerns of friends, loved ones, uh, family members, and we want to lift those up in prayer as well. Additionally, when we gather, we are also mindful of all that's going on around our world, and that there are so many different challenges, conflicts, and many other needs. And so this morning, if that's describing you, if there's some prayer request at any one of those levels that you'd like us to pray for, I invite you to indicate that now by raising your hand. Excuse me, Pastor. Yeah. I just wanted to alert everybody that our good friend, Ralph, took a tumble oh. as he was walking along the, in front of the coffee pots. Okay. And it took several people getting back in his chair. Okay. And I think we all would like to know yes. to, to give uh, Rob an extra prayer today. Yes, of course. Well, let me lead us in a prayer. Let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you for your faithfulness and your grace, for your love and concern for each of us. We pray your blessing upon Ralph today and for your protection over his body. Lord, we pray also for all the needs represented by the hands raised for our friends here in this room who are going through their own trials and challenges, as well as for the things that weigh heavy on our hearts and minds for loved ones, friends, family members, neighbors. We lift those up to you as well. Lord, many of us are also concerned when we look in the news and see what's going on around our world. There are many great challenges and conflicts 
uh, violence and, and great needs across whole countries. And so we lift up those to you too. We pray, Lord, for your faithfulness and grace to be evident through your church. Equip us to do good works to help those in our sphere of influence. And Lord, we thank you that you are faithful, you are good, and you are loved. Help us to receive that truth today and to be reminded and comforted that every time we pray, as we are doing right now, we know you hear our prayers. You are active, you are moving. There is no situation that is lost to you or that you are not aware of. You care about what we are concerned for, Lord, and we thank you for that. And so we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And together we pray the prayer Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. And lastly, we come to our closing hymn, Just As I Am, Without One Plea. upon you and give you peace. Amen. Go in peace. Serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.